right, guys, so we are back here with another mini-sode. And this is the ultimate cliffhanger because last time we talked, it seemed like we had kind of settled on a wide receiver, specifically DeAndre Hopkins or Devonta Smith. But spoiler alert, guys, we did not select either of them. We did it. And uh, Pete, you were out of pocket. Uh, so it came down to me and Ben over the, like, the last week. We basically let the entire clock expire because, as you can tell from the last minute, so we didn't feel good about any decisions that we were going to make. So um, we kind of like just started getting a little nuts. I suggested maybe taking Kadarius Tony in the sixth round. <laughs> so we were not leaving any options uh, undiscussed. But I think it kind of came down to like we started to stare down this possibility that we might select Nuke with Marquise Brown and then not get Kyler. Oh, we just um, lost Pat here. We lost Pat, but yeah, no, he was picking up. That. Well, we we kind of we decided we weren't going to go running back for sure. We settled on Nuke for the pick, but then there was this, you know, we were talking about how we sort of wish we had the two picks at the turn so we can make the picks back to back because if we did take Nuke, that we would really at that point prefer to get Kyler in the next round. Um, and so we were kind of gaming out the the worst case scenarios if we went Nuke and then somebody went Kyler over, you know, Mahomes was still sitting there. Um, and then we have both Nuke and Marquise. We already have Chase and Higgins and we yeah. went up kind of taking neither of their quarterbacks. It was kind of a, and we take Mahomes at QB and we're, you know, and we also have Bateman. We're talking about taking Lamar, but like if Kyler and Lamar meant we're went, we're like, okay, well, would we take Burrow over Mahomes or would we take an unstacked Mahomes and then try and backdoor stack him when we have all these other stacks set up. So we got around to, all right, well, if we want Kyler and Nuke, about the same chance they both make it back. Let's take Kyler first because the worst case scenario in that outcome was if Nuke does go, we still have the Kyler Marquise and we wind up in a better spot where we could then take Devonta or Tony. A couple of the guys that we were talking about, we felt like the worst case scenario going Kyler first put us in a better spot. Um, and then, and then Nuke did go. <laughs> and so yeah. now we're back on the clock Nuke. and he's the only receiver who goes. His ADP was after our seventh round pick. Really felt like he would probably make it back. He was about four receivers down, the available receivers. Two yeah. QBs did go. I think a pretty good chance that if we went Hopkins at that Jalen Hurts pick, I mean, th that guy had A.J. Brown, so he's probably stacking there. He takes Hurts over Lamar. He's probably taking the Hurts over Kyler. But I think there's a decent shot that Kyler would have won as well. Yeah, because you don't know if maybe someone skipped quarterback that might have taken Kyler uh, yeah. since he's pretty appealing. But – yeah, I think probably, like, in retrospect, you know, now that we know Nuke went, like, we, we probably would have had a better chance of getting both if yes. we took Nuke. But, um, yeah, I think the thing, because we had talked about on the last minisode, the, the prospect of, like, getting a value at quarterback meant why would we take a quarterback in the sixth when we knew we were going to get a value on one of these quarterbacks in the seventh. But it, it just, like, kept – I kept coming back to, like, yeah, but we're reaching for anyone we take. Like, we're reaching mm – -hmm. like, we didn't want Gibson. We didn't want uh, Elijah Mitchell, which we had a long conversation about potentially taking Elijah Mitchell um, over chat, but we all were kind of out on that possibility. Uh, Goddard was somewhat of a value, and he went. So, it's like, all right, well, are we – yeah, we're getting value in the seventh, but to do that, we're reaching in the sixth. So, it, it's kind of a fake value. We might as well take – like, we prefer getting Kyler here. And I – I mean, normally I would prefer Mahomes, but to get Kyler stacked with Marquise Brown, you're like making that bet at the fast start. And then, Pete, you were talking about how good the playoff schedule is for Kyler. 
Um, I think that's that's pretty appealing in a zero running back build to be, to kind of get the fast start and potentially have him just like humming during the playoffs when hopefully the team is at its strongest. So uh, I think that yeah, and combo I'm not, with the stack is pretty sweet. I agree. And I'm not like devastated we didn't get the double because he has the rushing equity. You know, there's obviously clear scenarios where he rushes for three touchdowns over weeks 15 to 17. And, and then hits Marquise Brown for some deep stuff. Maybe Hopkins is good too, but having Kyler Marquise works out pretty well um, as opposed to somebody who had the double stack. There's, the, you know, there's ways that can play out that we are in a better shape by having just the single stack of Kyler's adding a lot of rushing value. And yeah, I'd and so me, much rather have Kyler Marquise than Nuke Marquise. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, viewed, I viewed Hopkins as like a, we kind of were debating here I think we knew we kind of had a luxury pick in this range if we wanted, um, just knowing that the, a quarterback would be there in the seventh. And Hopkins was like a luxury pick for us. But one other thing that I don't know if we brought up, but we're still not priced out of a nice Kyler double in that Rondell Moore could still hmm. potentially be a target. I'm guessing we're going to be shifting our focus to running backs by the time he's up. But it is like if we end up taking a running back detour because like there's a value in the ninth or something, like I wouldn't rule us out of, of getting Rondell yeah. with this build. That's a good, that's a great call. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think Pat put it really well in terms of us reaching regardless. It's kind of hilarious. And I think this was the hardest part about taking Kyler that we were setting up in our earlier minisodes look, we can take Burrow or we can take Lamar because we took <laughs> Bateman or we can take Kyler because we took Marquise. So the last thing we need to worry about is reaching and we're going to get a good quarterback. But then also we get to this point where we're like, okay, well, we really do kind of want to take one at 6-7. It's kind of tough because Burrow probably fits the best, but we would have to make a decision on Burrow before Kyler and Lamar, obviously based on ADP. So does Burrow get all the way back in the eighth? Very well might, but like we would have to make that call now and then we lose that optionality. But like the last thing that we probably should have been doing is reaching on a QB because at least we had the optionality into the seventh right. probably. And yet you get in the spot, like as you said, Pat, where our alternative was going to be a reach by ADP anyway. And, and our multiple alternatives that we're talking about, Hopkins, uh, whose ADP is like less than one ahead of Devonta Smith or Devonta Smith might be right ahead of him. I'm not sure. And then Tony's like five picks behind that. And that's another guy that we're like, okay, worst case scenario. Hopkins and Devonta both go. We take Tony in the seventh. But regardless, like you said, we were going to be taking a reach. And so it's real. It, it was just a really weird feeling to, to be making this QB call a QB reach when the whole setup was that we could get a QB value. Yeah. And at the same time, it, it just played out uniquely where we just didn't really have a, a, a better target with this luxury pick, as you said. I wasn't going to say – we could have taken an Elijah Mitchell, but then that changes the whole build in terms of how many receivers you have through X round, you know, through the eighth round, through the ninth round, those types of things. And and so, anyway, I, I kind of like where we went in the end just because it was a little bit of a safer maneuver. Although, you know, probably you want to be trying to hit as many home run drafts as you can in these formats as well. So taking the safe path may be a mistake in that regard. And I will say, just kind of now looking at this board, I almost want to even throw out that like we reached because we we look at the the market in this draft decided there was a tier break after Herbert and Josh Allen, a full round and a half went until the next. And then we see this cluster here, Kyler, Mahomes, Hurts, all within what, seven or eight picks. We know Lamar is going to go off the board in the next couple of picks after us. And then look at this side of the board. The next guy is Joe Burrow, our target. And we're going to have to basically fade one, two, three, four, five, six teams without a quarterback selecting twice 
before we come back. Like we legitimately, if we got cute here and passed on quarterback twice, like Burrow is the next up after ADP after Lamar goes. Like there's a really good chance one yeah. of these teams grabs Burrow and then we're fully shut out. So when we're you like you it. Now we're naked Lance, even though we had all these stack options. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I think we we had the luxury of kind of getting our pick at quarterback here. And we knew we were always going to take one, too. And so when we looked at the 2v2s with the wide receivers, we played it right. We do lose Hopkins, but we had Hopkins, Smith, um, Tony, all kind of like a same tier anyway. So I think getting our preferred quarterback yeah. um, was just like, I don't think it was a mistake or a reach. Well, I think it was a little bit of a reach in the sense that ideally we would have had a target that we liked in the sixth, and then it would have been a no brainer to wait until the seventh for the quarterback. Because if we get sniped on Kyler, you know, like let's say Amon Ross St. Brown was there, who I, I think a couple times in the chat was like, man, I wish Amon Ross St. Brown had fallen because then we would just scoop him up. He doesn't box us into any particular stack. Um, we've got a Lamar single we can use. We've got a Kyler single we can use we've got a potential burrow double that we can reach for in the seventh if we want to if you know if all the other quarterbacks go we could go unstack the homes in the seventh would be pretty sweet so there's just a million ways to play it um you know even even unstacked hurts would have been fine in the seventh potentially so yeah that felt like you know and, and i guess the, the version of that was to take devonta then instead of um Kyler and then we had the optionality to maybe get Hurts but it just came down like to the you know the to the point you're making Pete of like are we really going to risk Burrow coming back to the eighth um then we could really be boxed out and just in like a really tough spot after looking so promising earlier so we knew almost certainly we were taking a quarterback with one of the next two picks so then at that point it was just like we don't love anyone here, so why don't we just take the guy we want the most? You know, like, and then that was a long discussion trying to figure out who that was. <laughs> but, but, but that's another thing. thing we've been talking about all offseason is that the wide receivers didn't feel as sexy into the fifth and sixth round this year as the last couple of years. We do actually like some of the pockets in like the eighth and ninth round as well. I think that just for listeners thinking through their other drafts or whatever, I think that's a really interesting takeaway as well that. The fact that we started four receivers with our first five picks, you know, we would have loved to get Amon Ra there and continue to go zero RB and continue to to build the wide receiver depth, especially. But imagine had we taken multiple detours early and really felt like we needed to take a receiver there. That can be tough this year in the sixth round. Um, yeah, it was kind of nice. It was like, okay, well, we don't necessarily need to take a receiver here we can you know make this qb luxury pick even a little ahead of adp from from that regard and it's tough to take a, a reminder that zone you know it was a good reminder for me of like you know once these quarterbacks aren't going super early um because of best ball you know then it starts to feel even thinner it gets like way thinner you know, all of a sudden you're like, what happened? What I'm used to this being a pretty solid spot to take a receiver, but you know, Mahomes is still available. So it, it pushes everyone down, pushes everyone up. I mean, so 
now we can kind of set our sights on our, our seventh round pick here, which, I mean, I, I pulled up for those of you, uh, our YouTube members who are seeing this on screen. I have the uh, FFPC Rotoviz Command Center up right now. Uh, and just to recap, in case you guys are slightly lost here, our team so far is Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, T. Higgins, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, and Kyler Murray. You know, looking just at best ADP available here, the names at the top are CEH, Michael Thomas, Russell Gage, Lamar Jackson, Hunter Renfro, Devin Singletary, Devonta Smith, and Drake London. Here, I, I think we have all we're we're all in agreement that this is a wide receiver selection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like no one even tempting. Like it would have been kind of interesting if Eli Mitchell slid again. We might have had a, a pretty uh you know, tough decision of being like, do we want to value hound this? But it seems like we're, you know, we had discussed Devonta Smith last time. Um, Kadarius Tony certainly in the conversation. I think Drake London's in the conversation. I know, uh, Pat, uh, you voice concerns about just having both pits in London. Could this offense potentially support both of those where you feel good starting them? I understand that argument, but I do just think because London is, has such an exciting profile, um, that they're, you know, similar to kind of the other teammate bets we made where it's like the ceiling outcome of, of hitting one of those guys could be so massive that it might even outweigh um, hmm. not being able to start both of them. But I, I am with you that we don't have to force it with, with London in this spot. That's an interesting point of like maybe – I think maybe the issue is though that Pitts is so vital to the build as a tight end that yeah. it's like if Pitts isn't the guy, like this team isn't really – it's in a very difficult position. So, yeah. and I think Pitts to be the guy like is going to need a really strong target share because the offensive line in Atlanta is not very good. I don't think Mariota is very good, and I personally don't really believe in Ritter, and he's he's quite bad under pressure uh, at Cincinnati. So, uh, I don't think they're going to be an efficient offense. I think we're betting on passing volume because they're a bad team, and Pitts dominates target share because he's a superstar. So. Um, if he's not quite a superstar or if London is, is really, really good and is stealing targets, I think that's just a, kind of a bad outcome for this team. Where are you leaning, uh, Gratchet, here as I kind of filter to uh, the wide receivers and also the uh, the current Rotoviz positional ranks? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you on London. I think I lean more towards Pat's points, and I think the tight end point was a really good one, that, yeah. that we're really betting on Pitts being a superstar tight end. And so – it's not the same probably as Chase Higgins, for example, where it can be either guy. We, you know, that, that would potentially be the one that takes off and is the star. We really need it to be pits. We've made that bet. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of just leaning back towards Devonta. I know you guys were in on Tony. I was curious if either of you guys would make the case for Tony over Devonta straight up. But I do think Devonta, especially in such a flat wide receiver range, I mean, we're talking about like um Almon Raw, for example, who added some target competition, but had a you know had a better rookie year, especially late. But even Elijah Moore went in the in the last round and was a guy that I, I think we would have been happy to take in the sixth, based on yeah. where his ADP is. Sort of you know a, maybe a little bit of a better prospect profile. I don't know. I'll let Pat speak to that. But worse draft capital and also added target competition. I don't necessarily think the you know you can talk about volume in the Eagles offense, but I don't necessarily think the overall like passing production is you know range of outcomes is, is that much better for the jets than the eagles obviously there's concern that zach wilson maybe isn't amazing so to me devonta's adp actually just looks a little bit off compared to like elijah moore and amon raw 
we're still kind of reaching on him, but I mean, this is a guy that could still be like really good. And obviously I love AJ Brown, but uh, I do think there are some low key scenarios where the Eagles just throw a ton this year. Um, or maybe it's not that low key. People have talked about that a lot, but um, to me, like looking at his ADP versus Amon Ra's and Elijah Moore is actually, I think a little weird. Maybe that's true of Tony too, but Tony, maybe not quite as good of a prospect. I don't know. I, I think I'm leaning towards Smith though. I'm definitely leaning towards Smith too. I think both in a vacuum and just even looking at the ADP, you know, there is here, uh, I guess it's not a massive gap, seven picks, but even looking at the odds of available next pick, you know, 10% chance Devonta comes back, uh, 32% Kadarius comes back. And, you know, on underdog, Kadarius Tony has been a very trendy pick. I know Josh Norris has beat the drum for him. He's a guy whose ADP has crept up. I find in general, underdog drafters are far more willing to take on this outsized risk, which I think Tony represents. I do think Tony is like the perfect wide receiver in a zero running back build where he just gives us such a wide range of outcomes where it's like we could cut him by week four or he could be a top 10 receiver in the league. Like I could see either of those happening. So that's the exact kind of big cuts we want to be taking. That said, I do really think there are scenarios in this draft room. I mean, I think this percentage sounds about right to me. One out every three times, Tony makes it back because I can see FFPC drafters being more spooked about him and not wanting to take on that risk. And you can see here, that's why they're drafting Hunter Renfro over him, Russell Gage over him. So I'm kind of willing to maybe kind of gamble that we might get another crack at Tony. Yeah, I like that. That's compelling to me um, because I think I lean Smith in a vacuum. I mean, certainly I'm taking Smith over Tony in best ball, but the managerly component of this and the, the zero running back point P is like, I, I really like that. Like, it's so much easier for me to imagine a starting Tony every week, like over Bateman, you know, yeah, like just locking him in. And whereas with Devontae Smith, it's even if the Eagles are passing more than expected, AJ Brown is AJ Brown. Like unless yeah. he unless he gets hurt, which you know could happen, then it's just so much tougher for us to be feeling great about starting Devonta Smith. On the other hand, like I, I think I mentioned this on the last mini. I'm kind of intrigued by or maybe it was over chat, but um Devonta Smith's role could be a little bit different than it was last year with AJ Brown replacing Rager. And if he sees more of the intermediate work this year, I think he could get a little bit more volume and be a bit of a different type of receiver than he was as a rookie and not be quite so spike weaky and, and dependent on hitting big plays downfield. So, um, yeah, I mean, I pretty clear that Smith was a better prospect than Tony. Uh, he won the Heisman. <laughs> I, I'm, not the, I'm not the biggest about Smith guy, but, uh, yeah. He's, he's what do you think about that? What do you think about that comment in relation to their prospect profiles and like what's happened in this first offseason about Smith being feeling feeling low compared to Elijah Moore and Aminra? I think Aminra for sure. I mean, Aminra was a fourth round pick. Um, you know, as a prospect, I think he he has some interesting production, but day three receivers are not usually good bets. Uh, Demonte Smith was a super early first round pick. So, I mean, that alone is massive. Uh, although Amon Ra was an early declare who had production, so kind of a sneaky good prospect. And then Elijah Moore, I think in some way, I think you could make the case from a, you know, a Rotoviz kind of lens that Elijah Moore was a better prospect than Smith. But 
I don't know how strong the case would be. It's close. Those two, I think, were pretty close. And they, have, but they had very similar rookie years from a yards per hour perspective. And Moore has a squeeze on his routes potentially if he's going to be out of the slot. Like I don't know that he's starting uh, in two wide receiver sets to begin the year. Maybe he will, but there's some uncertainty there. Smith's locked in. There's no way that Smith's Quez locked in. Yeah. Playing so over, the gap's over a little him. weird. The gap's yeah, a it's weird, a little right? weird. It's a little yeah. weird. Yeah. And I think one thing I wrestle with too, and trying not to overcompensate for the best ball to manage shift is it again, the, the Tony thing of like, Oh man, this could be a top 10 guy. We start every week where that's more unlikely for Devonta Smith, but we're still like the thesis of zero RB is that we're going to have bye weeks. We're going to have injuries and we still want to be outscoring our opposition at that flex wide receiver. Even if they're not a top 10 wide receiver, Devonta Smith seems like one of those guys that can punish your opponents when you hit those bye weeks and injuries as your fourth player there, even if he doesn't have the sky high ceiling. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We can and, still and compared... get Sorry, the Tony type. I was just going to say, we can still get the Tony type next time. Or like when you had that list up, you know, Traylon Burks is a little lower, Sky yep. Moore is a little lower. Those are probably similar guys to Tony. You can still hit that profile in our wide receiver, you know, group probably on the way back, even if it's not necessarily Tony. But I like what you just said about what Devontae brings to the group here. Yeah, and you yeah, mentioned I, it. Like we we have some big, high, you know, big swing I players, use. specifically the rookies. I mean, Burks, Sky Moore. Chase Claypool and Garrett Wilson are all going to be available to us in, in these next couple of rounds. Mm. I love that pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Smith just does, he does give upside. Like, you know, he's a second year player who was efficient as a rookie and was a pretty strong prospect. So <laughs> he gives us upside compared to Nuke. And what I think one of the reasons that I was struggling so much clicking the button on Nuke is like, we're not, getting six weeks of production in a league where you only have 12 weeks to make the, the big money. Like it's just so tough. So I think what Smith gives us, you know, that base layer of like production in the early weeks, if he does take a step forward, could be so big compared to Nuke. So getting him to fall here, I mean, to me, it kind of validates the, the Kyler pick in some ways where Kyler Smith is, is pretty sweet um, compared to like, nuke hurts or something yeah yep i'm on board with this also just kind of looking at you know the texture of the board as well i mean every other drafter except bitcoin out of the two hole who did take eli mitchell as his first running back has a uh, minimum two running backs and there's a lot of teams with three running backs too and i do like that we're kind of on this side of the board with him you know we can kind of decide i assume he's going to start looking at running backs here whereas a lot of these other teams are going to start, you know, having to kind of either look into the onesie positions or tack on more wide receiver firepower. So I think we're like in a good spot to continue to like pick off the values and then also make a really good read on like if we do want to make a running back detour at some point. But I, I think where we're headed, there are, there are scenarios where we're not taking our first running back until the 10th round. Oh, for sure. Th those scenarios are called plan A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's very few running backs that I would actually be, you know, pretty excited to take a detour for. Devin Singletary is one of them. I mean, his ADP at 79.9 makes it highly unlikely he would make it back to us, but he's he's one of those kind of few exceptions. Otherwise, I do think you're getting into kind of a true like zero RB flyer range committee backs with a with a bunch of these other guys. Yeah, and you made a good point. 
I can't remember the players, but basically the gap between some of those guys and who we maybe would get in round 10, it's not going to be as wide as, you know, those really intriguing wide receiver pocket. And then who might be there as we get all the way back around at wide receiver in round 10, it's going to be a little bit more of a fall off. So that's a, that's a big thing that we thought about in terms of not taking the running back in round six was, you know, we didn't have a running back yet and going full zero RB is never comfortable, but you can't necessarily choose when to correct you know, a decision you already made. Like that's, we would have been making a pick in the dead zone that were pretty clear dead zone backs in terms of Gibson and Mitchell, who are guys that already produce, but the market's not buying in. And that tends to be the guys that don't actually really hit out of the dead zone. So it was a pretty big, I know better pick if we went that route. Um, so like the lesson there, I think is you can't fix, you know, I, I was talking to a, a buddy in, who's doing a, a rookie draft right now and he needs a QB and he really wanted to take, one of these QBs in the second round. And I'm like, the wide receiver prospects that you can get in this rookie draft are way better. You can't fix your QB situation in this rookie draft for sure. You know, it's a, it's a tough bet in this rookie draft to take Desmond Ritter and think that's going to fix your QB situation. It's one of these lessons I think is universal across fantasy, just because you have a need, like it's, and that's sort of the idea of zero RB. If you don't take your yeah. running back early, you, you just keep hitting wide receiver, build that strength. Don't take something that, isn't improving your team if the running backs in round eight are the same as the running backs around 10. The running, the, the, the player pool does not care what your needs are. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It is interesting here too. I, I haven't been sharing this part of the screen, but just also looking at the draft applet, which, um, uh, you know, still, I think some people have a little anchoring bias to it. I do notice that, um, you know, Devonta Smith is ahead in the draft applet of all these guys we're taking too. So lots of kind of confirmation to that. If any of these guys were to slip, um, it's probably not Devonta Smith. It, it won't be Smith. Yeah. I would be shocked. I'd truly be shocked, especially cause I, I think to Ben's point of like more and Amon Ra, you know, if you're thinking you're like, Oh, I'm getting this guy like at this point of like two rounds after Elijah Moore, like you're, you're, you're smashing it. So yeah, I think he makes a ton of sense. Give ourselves a chance at Tony and like, Tony, I mean, it's a very similar archetype in, in some ways to a Burks, to a Sky Moore, like just a pure home run sling, a lot of yeah. uncertainty. So I think it kind of makes sense to get Smith, who's a slightly different type of bet, although still has upside. Um, and then maybe Tony leads the way with the with the next turn. Um, but yeah, I do think in terms of the build, like it is, it's nice, obviously, in early July to um, to go zero running back because there's so much more uncertainty about how all this stuff's going to shake out in training camp and stuff, but also like, yeah, I do worry about, you know, in September, pretty much every running back I like round 10 on is at risk of moving up by like two rounds, except for Rojo who probably will fall by around, <laughs> but everyone else could move up considerably. So getting a chance, not just to benefit from the chaos, but to be able to like load up on that target group. Um, it's kind of, two things that might not be available to us later. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm going to pull the trigger here on uh, Devonta Smith. And uh, yeah, it should be really fun to see what comes back to us at 808. Um, we will yeah. be back. That was our, that was our tough turn, but now things should be a little bit easier. Yeah, I can't wait for the should be, things should be a lot clearer going forward now that we've gotten through the six and seven. Yeah, that was a that was a treacherous road. I, I told the guys in the ship chasing Discord that uh, they're going to have some twists and turns with these picks. Uh, they got rugged on the last uh, mini. Sure we went in another direction, but uh, yeah, you got I think rugged, we're back. You know? 
<laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this in the audio version and you'd like to uh, check out the video versions, we are making those available for our Ship Chasing VIPs, which uh, means you are a YouTube member. Also get you access to the Ship Chasing Discord. We will see you guys in the eighth round. Peace.